Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 20 of the Access VFX podcast. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects, animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings, through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 20th episode, we meet Robin Chowdhury, Chief Operating Officer at Dupe, the world's first visual effects B Corporation, or B Corp. Regular listeners will know that I absolutely love an untraditional route into industry, and this episode is no exception. We talk growing up in Sweden, astronaut aspirations, moving to London for love, a 12-year career in retail operations that came to an unexpected end, to travelling, barista rejection, a rewarding stint as a painter and decorator, and then helping out over at Dupe, quickly taking on a role, setting them up as a B Corp to COO of the studio. Pretty amazing. We recorded this last Monday from the Dupe studio, so enjoy the background noise of studio life and a busy Dalston. Anyway, that's enough of my chatter. This is another fantastic listen and a compelling story. So get comfy and enjoy episode 20 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 20. It's me, Simon. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest whose career journey includes being rejected from a barista job back in the day, an almost 12-year career in retail operations for American Apparel, and now COO, or Chief Operating Officer, of the world's first visual effects B Corporation, or B Corp, Dupe. Please welcome to the pod, the most excellent, Robin Chowdhury. Welcome to the pod, Robin. How's it going? Thank you, Simon. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. It's good to have you on the pod. We've been trying to get this one in for a while, haven't we? Yeah. Busy people. Yeah, I'm sorry about... Yeah, there's uh, lots of admin around no, that. Tell me about it. I know all about admin. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for having no, me. You're very, very welcome. Yeah. So uh, originally, we got you on the pod through our mutual acquaintance, Mr. Tom Box from Blues of Animation. I think you shared a, a panel discussion with him on uh, being the first B Corp in visual effects. It was it was uh, it was uh, Jono from Tube, mm-hmm. uh, the founder of Tube, and uh, I, I tagged along and we met Tom at the ah, office, okay. and we had a yeah we had a, we rounded off with a point. So I guess. Uh, that's that's where we started talking and excellent, excellent. our background. So you weren't on the panel. Forgive yeah. me, my, my my research fails me as always. No, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's all good. You know, it was just um, we were there to meet Tom beforehand. We were just talking in B Corp, and it's great to just share some experiences and hear everything they've been doing over there. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know Blues are all set up as well, aren't they? Yeah. As a big corporation. So before we open the vault, and I know you're excited for us to kind of uh, unlock the. The rusty, the rusty lock of the uh, the twenty questions, um, and I'd love to talk a bit more about being a B corporation because it's a quite a big deal that you were the first out of the stocks. But I would love to hear about how you you, you started that journey at Duke. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, I started working part time for Duke, and um, the main reason was to start the journey 
of the B Corp journey. And it started with uh, um, the founder of Jupe, John, reading a book called Let My People Go Surfing. And I think B Corp was mentioned there. And, and he's always been very conscious about environment, especially, and, and work-life balance has been very important to him. So when he set out to open a business, and it, even long before that, he always said to himself, well, I want it to be different. You know, so uh, come 2018, you you be starting. I go on and uh, start looking into the question. And because of my operations background, I said, why, why don't you come and help me with these aspects? Because it's very operational and there's, uh, you know, very, you know, big picture thinking. So yeah, started off there. Um, but you, you know much about B Corp and what kind of... Uh, how it's sectioned in. Yeah, and not as much as I'd like to, admittedly. I've obviously read a bit about it online, yeah. but yeah, not so, not an encyclopedic knowledge, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think it's sometimes hard for people to understand what it is and what, what it means to be certified. I think often people think it's a, it's a, this big, huge take, you know, of like we're, we're doing this now and now we're a B Corp. But in fact, it's actually a lot of, lot of small little things a business does that gets them a certain amount of um, uh, points for the verification uh, and it's focused into five different areas mm-hmm. so it's the, the governance of the company the Im- impact on workers the environment community and customers so different companies will score differently on these areas and i think something important to remember is you once you've done a once the assessment it's it's an ongoing mm-hmm. journey you know it never stops there and you and the aim is to always do better mm-hmm. and yeah so uh, it's been a really interesting journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I think, after I think we said we're pending B Corp. So for a company that's new, you can't become a B Corp certified B Corp until you've had one years of, of ah, running okay. a business as a B Corp. Or yeah, so, you have to be in business yeah, for a year before. Yeah. So we, so we were. Yeah, it's because you need data and information and you know to yeah, of course, actually submit. And, yeah. Yeah. So we were pending B Corp. That just shows that we have a. We're doing certain things already, and mm. we uh, are aiming to be fully certified. We got certified in 2020, uh, in January, so coming up to a recertification. And, um, yeah, we've done a lot of things that are good. Some things we're doing better. Some things we've maybe falling back mm. on. But as I mentioned, it's uh, some continuous journey. Yeah, it sounds uh, like it, isn't it? And... I mean, when I first heard about B Corp, I just assumed, and it's wrongly assumed, that it was just purely about sustainability and envir- environmental kind of um, challenges? No, that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing about B Corp. It, it takes more of a holistic mm-hmm. view of our business where, you know, you have things like ISO standards and other certification that focus on just sustainability, you know, environment mm-hmm. or just security or just governance. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good cert- certificate in that way mm-hmm. and it's open for everyone. So you're not, you're not paying loads of money to be, part of the community or the movement yeah. are you uh, easily accessible yeah. and like you say it's more than yeah. just a just a badge to stick on your website you know it's an ongoing journey it's an ongoing commitment right? oh god when i was abroad so it was on holiday when we got the certification we didn't think we were going to pass before mm-hmm. you know you know you submit an assessment and i think you have to have 80 points minimum mm-hmm. And we submitted with 85 and it was scaled down to 80.5 in the end, mm-hmm. which was a small marginal, but we took it. <laughs> and um, but I think I think as soon as we got there, there was a mixed feelings. I got really happy because it was it took it took maybe one and a half years. Yeah, and but yeah, then it, then, it, then it felt a bit scary. You know, you felt a bit responsible. You, you, wow. The, you 
I wouldn't say waving a flag, but you know, you're a beacon. Yeah, you've got to so follow through. You're right, making your yourself promises. accountable. Yeah. You know, yeah, fun, exactly. Yeah, nice. So that's also a good thing, I think. Keeps you on your toes, right? As so, a company, d- definitely, yeah. definitely. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, um, but we do we do often have uh, you know people saying, "Well, that that doesn't sound very beacon." You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're actually right." And um. I guess it, That's a great thing it to encourages you to check in and you know, like say whether you're in meetings or you're on jobs or projects or I guess impacts who you decide to partner with on projects as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We we um, uh, we we do have a questionnaire that we um, do send out to suppliers just to kind of look at our impact repurchasing. Mm-hmm. There's not there's no things like black and white answers that people need to answer or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it starts a dialogue, starts a conversation, and um, uh, which is great, yeah. and you know, more and more people are jumping on board the journey, and um, great. it's just much so much better to work with like-minded people. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel you've you've kicked off a trend in the industry? Then being the first, do you think you've you've been a catalyst for change? Not, not sure. I would like question. to think so. I hope so. And yeah, we're not we're not the greatest as marketing, mm-hmm. but but I hope so. There's, there's lots more people joining, and I think one of the things that we are very keen on is helping other people getting started at least and you know share what was difficult for us what's working what's not and um, uh, it can be scary when you start off and and we would just want to make sure that that barrier to entry disappears so we do meet quite a lot of people and more and more recently mm-hmm. uh, just like hey we want to hear yeah. how, how we worked out we you know netflix is very into it mm-hmm. you know we have a big presentation about our how we became carbon neutral as a company and um yeah so so cool so cool it's, it's great yeah i yeah. mean my final question on the b corp thing and we will return to this as well because it is super interesting is your role of coo so do you find that you more within the company does the book stop with you in terms of being the chief operating officer do you find you're the most accountable person within the firm or is that again me just assuming because you're on the end um no so i think i think uh, the B Corp, there's just two ways of leading the B Corp certification. You can, you know, have one or two people just pushing it through, and you can have a whole team engaging. There's pros and cons for both. I think um, sometimes it has become that oh, that's that's Robin's mm-hmm. thing, you know, where we're like, no, 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 that's all of our mm-hmm. things, and we try our best to kind of make it into a day-to-day thing that is it's a part of everyone's responsibilities and. Anything from volunteering in the community mm-hmm. to making sure that our carbon emissions for the month is uh, not as high. But uh, I mean, it's a young industry. We're a young yeah. company, and we're we're still. And I, I do get very happy when other people are pushing in different areas. That's so cool. Uh, it's definitely not something one person can take on. No, absolutely, and, and rightly so too, for sure. Especially after all that effort it took to uh, yeah. to get certified. Um, so I've got lots of questions I want to ask about your barista rejection, your career path. I want to get stuck into you know almost why you started part time oh. at, at Dupe. That's probably going to come out of Vault questions, if I'm honest. And uh, as you know, and as we said yeah, earlier yeah. before we hit record, that you know we have the it's a crime to go over an hour with any podcast. And I've done that a couple of times. If I do it a third time, I might go it's to so podcast busy. jail. So I should uh, stick to stick to. I won't judge you. Don't no, worry. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, should we open the vault, yeah. uh, Robin? Should we do it? Go for it. You have to help me. It's very heavy. Open the vault. And we're into the big 20 questions. And the first question is probably the most simple of questions, which is where in the world are you and where did you grow up? So uh, where are you at? Well, uh, I'm in London at the moment. Ah. And 
but I'm actually born and raised in Sweden. Oh, wow. uh, I moved to London around 20 years ago when I was 19. Wicked. Yeah. Cool. So whereabouts in London are Duke based? Uh, Duke is based in Dalston. Okay. Nice. So yeah, in the Hackney area. Brilliant. Brilliant. With all the, all the hipsters. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm an aging hipster, That's I guess. Right. Aren't we again, so, aren't we all? I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so growing up in Sweden, that's interesting. Did not know that about you. How was that? What led you to move to, uh, to the UK yeah, it was... as a youngster? Oh, love ah. that's uh that's what that's what brought yeah, yeah followed your heart lasted for a couple of years but i fell in love with london afterwards and i stayed yeah uh Sweden is a great place i think at the time when i left i felt it was very small very quiet mm-hmm. and uh, london was the the polar opposite and i absolutely loved life then you know most of my 20s i guess i was in my in camden and nice. uh it's very different to where, what it was now um, it isn't what it used to be I spent no. a lot of time in Camden in my formative years. Oh, did you? Yeah, back, way back in the day, way back in favorite, the day. Fa- favorite, favorite pub? Uh, Good Mixer is probably my favorite one because I was a bit of a Britpop head oh, from the uh, 90s. So, I uh, yeah, that was that was the go-to. Yeah, no, so, so yeah, it was always good mixer and then of the Dublin Castle. Yeah, yeah, good shout. That was my route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my pubs are limited because I go to the same places all the time in, in Camden, but uh, don't frequent it as much. But as I was saying earlier, I, if I go to, if I meet friends for a gig, yeah. we always meet in the good mixer for a, for a pint or two and then we head off to the ballroom yeah, or wherever we're going to go. So, uh, wow, again, we're in danger of turning this into a, uh, a Camden nostalgia trip here. So I'm going to keep the, the questions, yeah, keep the questions yeah. coming. Um, so, uh, yeah, three words. This is the big three words. It's the second question, which is the ultimate in interview questions, which is three words that describe you, Robin. Oh, love this questions. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I would say friendly, honest, and, um, Loyal. Oh, friendly, honest, um, loyal. I guess. Like that. Yeah. yeah I think. Can you change your answer? You're going to stick with it? I think it's, I mean, I think it's, it's, I'll stick with it. I think that's both work and personal life related. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think they're, they're I mean, friendly is clearly so. a great quality in a friend, clues in the title. Honest and loyal as well. These are all great, great qualities to have in any walk of life, let alone, you know, here talking about work. Yeah. And no, I think. But, Exactly, but I think uh, I think loyal is the one word I agree with the mm-hmm. most, and it's. I mean, you know, I'm sure we're talking about mm-hmm. it, but I was in one company for twelve years, yeah. and a lot of that had to do with loyalty, mm-hmm. and um, which can be a good and a bad thing, depending on mm-hmm. how you look at it. You know, in, a, in terms of career progression and so on. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, I did notice on the LinkedIn yeah. that you're at American Apparel for best part of twelve years. And it's an interesting switch from retail operations to visual effects. What's that about? Yes, yes. I mean, quite a switch. I mean, I think after twelve years there, the company folded, mm-hmm. and I was, which was a good thing because I wouldn't have left otherwise. You were that loyal, and um, and I, yeah, yeah. Well, but I decided it's not the industry I want to mm-hmm. stay in, but wasn't sure what the next thing would be, mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of fell into it for for a long part of time after being rejected at the barista um application i um i thought i was becoming a decorator doing a lot of decorating oh, wow so when did the barista story come from then before the last day of american Powell, i said i don't want to manage i just don't mm. want to i just want to relax a little bit it's been long 12 years mm. if, if you say so uh so i just want to get a job at the barista so i went to I was to try for a job at the Pavilion in in you know they have a place in Victoria yeah. Park or the Market and Columbia Road um, and got got a trial there 
and yeah, didn't get a call back after my two, three hours really? of barista. I love coffee and I do yeah. make good coffees. But the good ending of that story is um, later on, a few, not many months afterwards, uh, I, I work for the owner of the boss with uh, organizing the business. So no uh, it, did, it did have a happy ending, but still no barista though. No, there's something about yeah, that, isn't it? wasn't allowed to touch the coffee machine. <laughs> you still make good coffee, that's all that matters. <laughs> But yeah. I assumed when I when and Tom told me about the barista story that that would have been at the start of your career, and I loved that it was midway, midpoint where you you had that twelve year career in, in retail, and it's like you know what I just want to do something just it, straightforward. It was very humbling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was very very humbling. I I did not think I was not going to get get a job as a barista, mm. and uh, yeah, but it was uh, part of it was lots of learning on the. Um, 2017 for me yeah where, um, interesting interesting where, and it's a craft isn't it yeah. it's a human it's it's you think about it i mean you know i i would probably assume wrongly assume that i can just walk into a barista job but it's a it's a serious craft i mean i can just about make uh, a black you have coffee. all these uh, courses you have all these courses and once you've done them mm. that's not enough you need to make thousands of coffees before you can and uh i didn't know i didn't realize that either God, it's probably a good thing you so, probably learned to hate coffee but, if you're making thousands of coffees. Oh, exactly. I drink too much coffee anyway. Yeah. Try to go off coffee and always resulted in bad headaches. Mm. So <laughs> Good. It's fortuitous that but, you yeah. uh, that it happened then and you hear it. Dupe VFX now doing your thing. So, uh, But yeah, I like that. So, so loyalty, honest and friendship. Yeah. All good, good qualities. So I'm going to move into the inspiration piece now, Robin. You know, what inspires you on a daily basis? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Risk of sounding so cheesy, but... Uh, people that are selfless and help others without wanting anything in return inspires me for a one role model i've had who was my old boxing trainer sadly passed away oh, two so years ago he's 83 years old we we kept in touch since uh teenage and um he was a religious man mm-hmm. you know who believed you know all the good deeds that you do here on earth comes with you in your next life he's a, he's a, he's a mormon in sweden which is very unusual wow. i had a very good Bond with him, kept in touch, and uh, you know he he, he genuinely uh, you know an amazing person who mm. he went out of his way to make sure he helped others, and but nothing in you know he did not expect anything from anyone, yeah. and uh, and I think that kind of I try to think of him and what he does you know uh, mm. you know throughout my life yeah and so that's so um, cool when it comes to work and so on. Yeah, I think uh, he was a very cool person, you know. It's uh, and there's a you like to think everyone is like that, but uh, there's yeah. once in a while you see meet the one or two, the odd ones that are like, wow, they're really getting out of the way to help someone else, and um, and he did. That's so cool. I was just going to say, yeah, when you mentioned the five areas of uh, you know being a B Corp, and actually one of them is community and. I think uh, boxing, anyone in a community that teaches kids sport and creates that space for, for young people to come together and sounds like, again, sounds corny, but, you know, getting kids off the street and doing something meaningful and positive. We, I live in an area in Sweden that are, I mean, I mean, I think it's beautiful and I think the living standards in Sweden are amazing, mm. but it was, it was a very multicultural mm. area. Um, so he came to our school and just spoke to us and, and, it was a perfect time for me. It, as a as a young young kid, I tried to do a lot of different things. Mm. I think I, I tried ballet for two weeks, Brilliant. and realized it wasn't really for me. And uh, then his name is Lasse, and uh, so Lasse came over and 
like to teach boxing and i've never been you know a fighter or anything like that mm. but i absolutely loved it but it became a bit of a lifestyle yeah. i think and uh, and he was very keen to just help it wasn't charging us anything and you know we had a boxing hall that he made sure the school paid for all of our training mm. and it was amazing so that's great and actually ballet and boxing do go hand in hand don't they there's a grace to boxing isn't there it's not just about essentially beating someone up you're, you're it's a there's a science and a almost a dance yeah 100 100 there is there is a famous boxer called i think it's called lomachenko and i think he's um he's from uh he is from ukraine actually okay. and uh his his dad is i think i don't know if the story is correct but i think he, he took him off boxing and had him train ballet or dancing for a long and he's He's very talented, and you can see that he was almost dancing in the ring. Yeah. So yeah, they go hand in hand. I can say. Yeah, so interesting. So interesting. Yeah, ballet, boxing, cracky. Yeah. What what a background. Yeah. We're going to get into all this. This is this is super interesting. Yeah. Um, but what I want to do is get into question four yeah. of the vault, which is one of my personal yeah. favorite questions, which is the aliens have landed. They do exist. They are out there, and they're knocking on the Robin Chowdhury's door, and they're asking you what you do for a living. Mm. How are you going to explain it to these extraterrestrials? Oh. Well, I oversee all the people-related aspects of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, how people are feeling, how people are doing, who's coming on board. And I deal with systems and processes. Mm-hmm. I budget, uh, financial budgeting, and plan to make sure that we can uh, you know, do the job as a VFX house uh, that is needed for all the projects that we're working on. And I try to do this all by thinking about the company's impact in different areas, as we mentioned. And the, you know, governance is a big one. Um, uh, workers and the environment uh, mainly so yeah do you think an alien would I understand thinking, that or, i don't think they're gonna they just i don't think they're gonna accept ways? that i think there's <laughs> there's too many uh, there's too many nuances in their companies i don't think they're gonna know what vfx is well they might do i mean they might have been studying us for years yeah, so uh, yeah. maybe i'm doing them a disservice but it's still a great still a I, great uh, explanation yeah i could cross over pretty much all departments i work very closely with uh production mm-hmm. departments i don't go too close into the artist technical side of things because that's something that i'll never work with uh, especially if, at the beginning it was a nightmare just hearing all of trying to remember all of the software mm-hmm. names and different add-ons and i think i'm getting there now it takes a while it takes so, a while i mean i think we both share mm-hmm. that our background that we don't come from a technical artistry background i'm still learning all the softwares now kind of 10 12 years deep i've even lost track of the years i've been in the industry for but yeah, yeah. it's quite nice to speak to somebody who isn't super technical we can we can both enjoy the uh, the geeky section of the podcast uh, shortly oh perfect so you're perfect. in good company perfect. you're in good company yeah so what did you want to be when you grew up so growing up in sweden what was the uh, what was the career aspiration did you want to be a boxer or a ballet dancer or was there something more no i think i think i was uh, pretty lost as a kid but i think if i can if i remember one thing as a child and I think it was everyone's favorite. I wanted to be an astronaut, so it's very wow. far fetched. I was, you know, you know, reading books about space, mm. and it was just magical. S- still is really, but it's different now when you think about space. It's just your brain starts hurting trying to figure things out. But yeah, other than that, it's been very classical things like uh, astronaut. I thought I was going to be an artist. Love drawing. Mm. Um, that ch- that changed in my late teenage. Boxing was actually uh, going quite well. Uh, okay. uh, but I stopped suddenly at um, when I was seventeen, eighteen. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, it was it was I wasn't really sure. It was so many mm. things. Um, I, I was I was really lost. My teenage, yeah. even when I came to London, I, I wasn't really sure 
what my career path was going to be. That's what's so cool about um, career path, though, isn't it? That they again, we talk about this a lot on the podcast around careers snaking everywhere. You know, whether you're, as you said, you know, either you're lost or whether you have an idea of what you want to do, still being open to opportunity yeah. and, and those those open doors. It's it's, it's interesting because I I remember downloading Photoshop and you know just learning how to use the software. I used to love. I remember using Flash and making animations mm. in that you know for websites and it's very clunky and it's the html mm. days and and i had a real interest in that you know we'd sit up till past midnight and do this you know do things but then that disappeared there was you know i mean god knows what i would have done if i knew that there were there was a vfx industry yeah. and uh, clearly it was like, calling uh, you right but that kind of industry yeah maybe, maybe there was a, yeah, mag- a full, magnetic full circle pole there. to yeah to join i mean i mean maybe 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 i mean i share i mean i grew so. up a bit wanting to be an illustrator and still have desires to be an illustrator and uh, i always i've kind of gravitated to a creative industry yeah through through my career path snake and yeah. i spent time in retail and you know advertising and you just end up going through this i don't know so maybe there's some fate involved maybe it's just you know stuff just opening up i don't know Definitely. I was definitely more creative when in my younger days. And then somehow I became, you know, of spreadsheets and mm. organization and, you know, and, and somehow I kind of believed it. But I think there's a lot of creativity in my life still. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, there were a lot of options back then, but oh, yeah, I like, I like the, uh, if you don't mind me saying, the, cl- the cliche of wanting to be the astronaut. I think uh, it's not the first time we've had astronaut on the podcast as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you would have joined the space race with, with a plum. Robin, for sure. No, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said this is this is what I was wanted to do, and this is what I'm doing now. And uh, who knows? Might be. I mean, lots of different people are being sent to space these days. You never so, know. Um, yeah, it might be a different magnetic pull. You never know. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to my earlier question, which was in the wrong order, which was uh, why you went to Middlesex to do uh, was it a BSc in Business Information Systems and Management. Seems obvious in many ways. That's correct. In terms of what yes. you're doing now, but yeah, you know, what made you go to that particular uni? Well, I went to uni one year in Sweden, and that's where I met um, uh, met my ex girlfriend. Okay, and she was pretty much the sole reason I applied to study in the in the UK. It was, you know, I I applied to what I could and what I thought would interest me. Contrament was was the big book with all the courses and oh, I'm like God, just yeah. going through that and I mean that sounds very that sounds fairly interesting so I'm going to Brunel University okay. and Middlesex University but I decided I think this one trip to Brunel just totally burnt me I was like I can't do this every mm. day but Brunel was so beautiful and so much nicer and I think Middlesex University was my second choice and I took it I pretty much worked four or five days a week also mm. in Camden in retail in those days and um, yeah but university was fairly easy fairly easy compared yeah. to the college in sweden oh, really what did you... uh, i went to boarding school for two years at, yeah and yeah so i see is that the the entry on your linkedin profile is it for force marks scholar or is that a different for yeah it's a, yeah it's, it's it's actually yeah it's force marks scholar it's a it's college a level you it, it's owned by an energy company called Vattenfall. okay so it's private but I'm not from a rich background mm. or anything like that. You get you get your client and go in as a reserve, fifth reserve or so. And uh, it was uh, it was a great time. And just very very smart people. I was definitely not one of them. I was uh, at the lowest ranking, but it was an amazing experience. You know, still friends with many many people from there. 
Brilliant. And, and but they made they made Middlesex University a walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, I bet it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, in many ways, we've got your ex girlfriend to thank then for to have having you at Dupe and doing your thing for you know moving to the UK, going to Middlesex yeah, University, I, and I and here you are so. in twenty twenty two. Many many doors open. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. We won't thank her too much because you know I don't know the background there. I'm not going to get that deep into your personal life. Yeah, we don't talk. No, no. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So let's get into the big break then. So how did you break into the VFX industry? So obviously we've spoken a bit about this in terms of how you got the role at Duke, but could you get more into that? Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a bit of a plan. You know, I was one of the first people in 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 American apparel in Europe in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Was in many shops, and it was a it was an astronomical growth. It was part of the whole journey and. Unfortunately, lots of things happened in the company, and it's filed for bankruptcy mm, I remember. in 2017. So I decided to, um, you know, we had KPMG coming over, and uh, you know, as administrators, and they asked if I be able to stay as the last people, and I had no plans mm-hmm. after after that. And all I knew is I wanted to have a little bit of a break, and I did not want to get back into retail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went backpacking, you know, thinking I'm going to go and find myself. I didn't find myself. <laughs> I don't think I was ever lost. <laughs> and, you know, I can't remember if it was before or after I came back a little Asia trip that I applied for the barista job, which okay. we talked yeah. about. Didn't really fall through. Um, but then I started, someone needed help uh, uh, to board a, board a house in Leighton. And we needed some people doing a bit of painting and decorating and helping things. A friend of mine. So went over there for the, for the weekend, helped mm-hmm. out. But then she realized I wasn't working. She's like, do you just want to continue doing bits and bobs? So I started doing that and I really, really enjoyed it. I'm like, this is great. You know, in Sweden in school, you know, it's quite common for us to do textiles okay. and woodwork. Okay. So, and um, it, was, it was great to have instance, you know, uh, you know, what do you call it? Gratification, you know, seeing something, yeah. you know, doing and get it done. And I would just listen to the podcast, mm. you know, have my thermos with coffee on the side and my little lunchbox. It was on my own. Yeah. It's big house, work, and fixing yeah. holes. And it, it was so great. And I was like, yeah. And that turned out with my neighbor asking, well, I got a place in Bo. Can you repaint that? I ended up in Berlin in someone's house wow. in France. And so I thought this was my calling. I'm going to be a decorator. I'm really enjoying mm. it. There's a big talk about money as well. You know, got a new sense of, um, um, value of money mm-hmm. it's different yeah. you know i was really worried about you know am i going to be unhappy i think everyone knows that money doesn't make you happy but i kind of really lived through mm-hmm. that i think i lived on our because i had no money coming in but i lived on our 10 pound budget yeah. for ages wow. yeah it somehow somehow i managed it, it. Work, right. and so yeah so even though i was earning less as a decorator than in my previous job i you know i found something there but did that for a few months and then uh, I while Jono who started Duke mm-hmm. he calls me and asks me Robin what are you doing can you help me sort out this office I was like yeah sure when what day do you need me you know and as he said in 20 minutes <laughs> brilliant and I was like what so yeah go on the bike cycle down here and um, Jono and this guy Dan were just like with a small little sledgehammer and uh, we're breaking down walls wow. painting fixing uh, and a few days work there it brings us to the conversation about B Corp and hey he said Robin I can't afford to hire you full time why don't you just join one one day a week and help me with the B Corp certification so that led from one day to two days three days but during this time of my part-time work I was also working for Pavilion there 
coffee shop okay. at the same yeah. time where, where I was rejected as a barista. <laughs> but I had a friend called Ida who started working there and talked to the owner there and said, what you need is Robin to come and help you with the back end. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience coming back from retail, not, not really knowing. Yeah, just finding your path. You know, yeah. I didn't, yeah, finding my path. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. You know, working in hospitality now and mm. getting my foot inside the VFX industry. And So um, interesting. So interesting. So, yeah, sorry. This is a, sorry, that was a no, long answer. No, it's a good answer. Um, and it needs, needs a, yeah. yeah, it's a good question. It needs a decent answer. And that's great. I mean, I love the idea of... You know, it's unfortunate yeah. what happened to American Apparel, and you've been on this journey through, you know, do I, you know, the barista job, traveling, painting, decorating, finding a really rewarding line of work, and then to literally be called by Jono to smash a few walls down, and then start having a conversation about, you know, helping was, out with the B Corp yeah. certification. Just so so cool. I was definitely been a huge journey. I mean, think twelve years in one company can, you know, you. You don't know how you're going to function outside of that yeah, company like and somewhere else. So it was, a, it was, a, it was, yeah. So it was, was many different emotions and feelings mm. in 2017. Um, and yeah, I was a bit nervous a while. You know, like why am I? Because I thought it, something was going to come to me, and I'm like, this is my new passion. This is, this is what I want to mm. do. But it did, and it happened in a different way. And uh, but I'm very happy where I am now, and I'm really enjoying it. Just kind of, I just love the idea of just getting on with it. Just let's see what comes my way, and just and just seizing those opportunities yeah. and just rolling with them and enjoying them and seeing the good in them. And I don't know, I think it's really inspiring. Really, really cool. We could finish the podcast yeah. there. And I think, I think that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that happened before I started working in America. Lots of new things, you know, just coming to London was a big mm. risky thing. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really a big fan of London that time. And, you know, the jobs I took, you know, everything, I just felt like I was taking a lot of risk. I was even going back as far as my, the boarding mm. school I went to, and the first day, my my dad and my uncle drove me there. I just saw people; they were doing this freshest week thing. You know, people wearing you know those liter ice cream boxes as little necklaces and cups, mm. and and there was the introduction to college life by the seniors. And I just looked at, it, I was like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. And uh, but it turned out to be one of the most fond memories in my life. And you know, part of what shaped me, and you know how I survived the different places later on uh, in my, my life no, that's a great story but yeah, um, right robin yeah we're gonna get into the geeky section are you ready to step into it i love it yes so uh, obviously i tailor these questions very slightly to those of us that don't work on the box or you know produce visual effects shows but do you have a favorite project that you were involved you've been involved with particularly at dupe you know one that stands out as a as a great project um, so it's a, it's a hard one to say. I mentioned I work with uh, production, mm -hmm. uh, so I can I see uh, what they go through, and here I try to help as much as possible. The artists live have their own experience in those projects. Mm -hmm. There's been some tough ones where we're a small company, we're learning, and um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to mention That's any okay. projects. Oh them, yeah, be careful. Yeah. They've, they've all they've all been. Yeah, but uh, we are growing really fast and we're we're getting better. I think this year is probably going to be the first year that we're mm. stabilizing as a company and learning from what we've done the year before mm -hmm. rather than just doubling in size yeah. every, every single time. I think I think with each project there's been um, things I've enjoyed mm -hmm. and things good, you know, and they're never never really the same, you know. It yeah. just depends on the team you have, the clients you have and um yeah. Cool. So let's move on to the next question then, because you mentioned tough shows. 
the ones that were probably quite challenging. You don't have to mention names, but what made those shows tough to, to work through or a particular show that tough? I think I get very affected by how people feel. And when you see, when you see people are working very hard and I see one of my job roles is to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's not always that you have power within the company to do anything about it. It could be very much last minute changes to clients. Maybe they're not used to working with VFX houses. You have, it's just people on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. And the expectation can be a mismatch. So uh, when, when people are overworked and stressed, that's, that's, I think that would say, I would say that that's probably the least enjoyable thing mm-hmm. with work. Yeah. And unfortunately it does happen as much as you try to avoid it. Not too much, mm-hmm. but, uh, Many of the bigger projects seem to have one of those crunch times, as everyone says. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's great to hear that you know you've, you're you're in tune with that. You know when the team do are, are you know, approaching burnout, or you know it's, you've potentially got maybe a demanding director or client. You know, it can be challenging, particularly from a production point of view. Yeah, I think, and I think this is this is one of the good things with you know the more and more people that go onto the B Corp start looking at you know the impact mm-hmm. really the business has on yeah people on the road it'd be easier to i think i think if we all you know do this together it will just have a different impact on the industry yeah. and change maybe the way projects are managed and you know the expectations yeah. around it there's definitely more conversations around so, wellness within our industry i think it was often something that was something that was shied away from years and years ago or just not mentioned i think people are more yeah. vocal now about some of the, you know, the often quite demanding, quite an unrealistic demands that are thrown on visual effects artists and teams. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've definitely done things that maybe was poorly managed mm-hmm. and affected, affected that uh, negatively. But I think it's a, especially now after the pandemic, this topic mm-hmm. about working hours and flexibility, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a great thing. And I think uh, we are going to see positive changes in the industry more and more it's accelerating now I think yeah I agree and we've talked a lot about COVID and the impact of the pandemic on this podcast actually about how you know especially setting artists up from home to be able to kind of feed into the pipeline from a sitting room or a home office I think is an absolute game changer we, 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 we actually yeah we actually tried to do that long before pandemic really? but there was always some technical yeah. things and that didn't really work we had we had one person traveling two hours to come to work and this is not something we asked for but and we'll just work from home let's try this set up and i know i want to come in we're like, okay but you need to try this and we never really got it working perfectly but then covid happened and it, it got and it sorted to, in a right? week yeah exactly i know so yeah yeah it's, i know There's the resistance back in the day for home working particularly for artists and flexible working as well was there's always something that got in the way so to, yeah like i say pandemic happened it's yeah. like well we've all got to adapt now so yeah i'm not surprised it was turned around really quickly so let's get into yeah, the the content so again uh, we've established that you know you're not on the box you don't necessarily have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of of software or, or even shows but do you have a hero in the industry a hero somebody who you know whether it's a director an artist a, you know a copywriter storyteller you know any anyone that stands out it's it's going to be mega brown nosing now, <laughs> but I do I do I do I do I have to say it's Jonathan Harris, yeah. founder of Tube. There you go, excellent. Uh, I think he's a he's a he's a friend, and he is he's he's always always pushing 
to be better, mm-hmm. better towards people. And I always feel like the back of my mind, I'm holding him back in a lot of things. I'm like, wait, you know, we <laughs> be careful. You know, mm-hmm. he wanted to, one of the biggest thing he wanted to have, it's like bank holiday every two months. Like he wanted want to do bank holiday. I'm like, wait, 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 just, just hold off for a second. Let's, let's start with the, you know, just a normal statute of holidays and everything else around that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely driving all of us in to, uh, to be a better business. And, you know, it's the tone and the, and the, and the intentions uh, that drives businesses. And if it comes from the top, I think it's so much easier to, you know, reach, yeah. reach those goals. How did you know Jono then? Because I know he gave you that call to come and smash a few walls down with a sledgehammer. But how did you, where did that relationship stem from? Um, we have a mutual friend um, who... Um, you know, that, uh, I, met, I met John O'Fru, uh when I first moved to London. When I was twenty, I met this this friend. Then uh, John was a friend of his. Mm-hmm. But we first bonded. We uh, when when I was opening shops in Sweden, and this mutual friend is also retail. He was there, and we just get a phone call from John. It's like, hey, I'm coming over to Sweden. I got this job at Important Looking Pirates, like for a couple of months. It turned out we to be a couple of year stunt in Sweden, and we all kind of lived. I was traveling quite a lot, but he stayed there, uh, met his, you know, wife in Sweden, and uh, yeah. So we go back, further back, and he's heard all my stories about American Apparel and okay. all the all the things we were doing. <laughs> yeah, so he knew exactly what he was buying when he hired me. Brilliant. Excellent. Excellent. Good and yeah, bad. Not just somebody to uh, sort the office out, you know, in both ways, physical in terms of, you know, the infrastructure and the, the technical infrastructure as well, I guess, in many ways. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So um, hopefully I was valuable to let them still, still here. here. So yeah, it's a definitely so, testament to your, yeah. your skills and ability. <laughs> um, so in terms of content then, animation or visual effects, you know, is there a, a shot or, I mean, I might lump the next questions in the two questions as one actually, which we, you know, we normally ask for the best shot and the show that stands out as a, VFX masterclass. As it's you, Robin, I'm going to say you can we can meld that into one question and just tell us about a, a great show okay. that you love that stands out as a, a great piece of content. Unless you've got a shot up your up your sleeve, I'll let you uh, decide. No, no, no specific shot. I have to go geeky and uncool because VFX is relatively new to mm-hmm. me. But I think uh, I think when I've watched the first Transformers, I was just absolutely amazed. It just like hit some kind of nostalgia. Mm. And I might have people saying that it was terrible VFX now, mm. but from the untrained eye, like mine, that really blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, uh, then after the release, I don't know how many of them. I, mean, I stopped watching after the second one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too good now. I mean, they still stand uh, up, don't they? Seeing everything from there. But they do. They do. But um, it's great to have standard definition eyes as well you know everything looks real yeah i know it's kind of terrifying isn't it in the poorest form (laughs) yeah yeah nothing yeah Yeah. transformer i mean the jury's out on transformers films in terms of i think they look incredible like they're from a visual effects standpoint they're Mm. nuts just these robots being shit ass to be sure but on a storytelling point it's it's definitely you know what you're getting with a with a michael bay style transformer movie you're not getting high art or or great story that you can get enveloped in no um but you're there definitely for the uh the effects for sure it's a it's a good good answer we'll take it we'll take it so let's move swiftly then into um the uh, character design piece and then we'll get into advice and we'll wrap the wrap the podcast up so uh, thanks for your time so far robin is there a great piece of character design that you're you're into or you stands out stands out as a great character realized 
I mean, I have to go and see. Must be Godzilla, any movie. It's uh, I, I just you're a fan of a monster. Enjoy movie, yeah. seeing the first shot. Yeah. So uh, any, any any of them, it's just all the uh, Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know you you're watching movies and you you can't you can just you just wait to see that first yeah. shot. You know, you see the glimpses and then and then you see <laughs> even the bad old ones. You know, mm. like I, I love them. So, I'm learning a lot about your taste in movies here, Robin. Yeah. It's big robots, yeah, I mean, big I mean, lizards, I'll... just destroying cities. Nothing wrong with that. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a child in many ways. Nothing wrong with, you that. Know, so... Nothing wrong with that. The spectacle yeah. of cinema, brilliant. Well, I'm going to weave into the final chunk of the podcast now, Robin, uh, which covers a lot of kind of advice questions or advice-related questions, and uh, we like to kick off with uh, the best piece of advice you've ever received. So, what's the best, best piece of it? Could have been your boxing coach, could have been Jono, could have been anyone, could have been a parent. Just go with it. It is. It is actually my boxing coach, and and it's super cheesy. But you know, he uh, and it, and it says you can do whatever you want. He said in Swedish, mm. so it sounds slightly different. But you can do whatever you want. What matters is how much you want it. Yeah. And and he used to say it all the time. Even back in back in those days when I was a mm. teenager, I found it sounded a little bit cheesy. But I think fast forward twenty five years or so, you know, it, it does ring true. And I think uh, I do. I do think about it, and, and I'm 40 in two weeks' time, and I feel, yeah, I feel like the world is more open. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I, especially with my recent, you know, change of industry and so on, it's that this is not the end. You know, there's, you know, whatever I want to do, you know, I can make that happen. It's just up to me Absolutely. to make that happen. And age isn't a barrier, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, 40 is a strong age. We were talking about definitely, definitely. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm feeling good, you know, on all, all levels. Life begins at 40. Yeah, exactly. The next question is the imposter syndrome question. We ask it on every pod. Have you ever felt out of your depth or that you were faking it until you make it? Often, very mm-hmm. often. Um, especially in American Power, we, we, it was me and my managing director. We were both teaming up as the operations, the senior operations people. Mm-hmm. And... We, our managing director, who was in Dusseldorf, Germany, was let go. And suddenly, over one day, we became responsible for up to 1,200 employees in the whole of Europe. Wow. And we were 25, 26 years old. So you can imagine, you know, uh, there was a lot of fake it till you make it <laughs> scenarios there and um, uh, lots of things that we did wrong. And yeah. uh, But I think throughout being career, I think especially if you're in one place, you, you start thinking, are those skills that what what skills do i have you know you can be tunnel vision mm-hmm. and a bit blinded by your day-to-day work mm-hmm. and you know do i have something that i can offer somewhere else yeah. and in those 12 years i worked with lots of executives in the us everything from you know health and safety executives from disney or mm-hmm. uh cfo ceos and you know you're in a room and you're having to talk about financial statement and pnls and yeah. and it wasn't all the time that i felt super confident but you're in that room and you're, you're yeah. having those conversations and just and you know petrified that you're going to be asked a question a very you know technical financial question mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah so that was something and, and i think i think it's once I started working with within hospitality and dupe, uh, that's more or less gone, mm-hmm. you know, because I've actually, I feel very confident yeah. in my, what I do now. And when I don't know, don't know things, I'm very, I can admit it. I'm like, 
I'm not really sure if I know mm. that answer. But that that thing I would not be able to say, yeah. you know, in my in my twenties. Kind of own it more, don't you? I think the so, older you get, in many ways, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's like moving from and perfection to authenticity. Do, yeah, you wonder how how would how would you be as as a as in your twenties if you had your mind right now, mm. you know, from all the experience, and then you just kind of drop the mindset in. And as some people do, I guess. I think you know, it's a it's in a I guess it's a different levels of emotional intelligence that people have yeah. and um, uh, I feel I was quite young mm. well that's a perfect segue Robin into our next question which is uh, what advice would you give your teenage self if you could go back in the in the DeLorean ask for help and reach out for help I was uh, very anxious as a, as a mm. kid I would I think it was it felt very lonely especially didn't have the closest contact with my family which is also why one of the reasons london was amazing Mm -hmm. but there's i ask for help now and i talk about things with friends and uh and people you know like and and doctors Mm -hmm. you know i was never at a doctor in my 20s at all but it was just it was it's quite closed closed in and i think um it just ask for help and reach out to people because about anything you know whether it's your career how you're feeling if you're feeling anxious about something if you don't know what you're doing, what you want to do, mm. your friends, people around you, there's always someone there yeah. to talk to. That's, I love that. That's, great uh, that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's great. Really, really great advice. And yeah, like I said, it doesn't leave you, does it? It doesn't just apply to being a, a youngster. It's even at the level you're at now, Robin, it's still Definitely not. prevalent. And yeah, it's, I think the authenticity, mm. you know, just um, I wish I had more of that you know and you know this is how i am and this is how i'm feeling and and talk about talking it's magical yeah i mean i something that i wish i'd known when i was younger i mean i always always wanted to be the perfect artist or the perfect this or i had to know everything and you don't do you nobody knows everything you have to like you said earlier like with the imposter syndrome thing you have your tool set your skill set and you leverage that but there's going to be stuff that you delegate out or you get Mm. to do to, to it's a team effort isn't it it's not all on one person so i think that's a, that's great advice just to go look hey i need help in this yeah. area whatever it may be yeah so we do we do we do some mentoring training here it's um yes. the building is on who's trapping and i think i feel like try to hammer that in you know mm-hmm. ask for help you know you don't have to pretend that you know everything we don't expect mm-hmm. that and uh, you know we're all learning so, Robin, what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out then? But slightly different question. What do you wish you knew? I think I was, you know, the company was new and uh, pretty much thrown in a deep end. And I think it, the role grew fairly organically. And uh, I wish I had more production knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if I if I had that, then I would, you know, in hindsight, I would probably would have be able to help much mm-hmm. more. We do a lot of reporting and, yeah. you know, things like that. And sometimes we feel like there's so many spreadsheets and so many calculations. And but what does that mean to uh, a company? Yeah. And most of the things I do, I like to be hands-on mm-hmm. and do every role. And, and I wish I had some more, you know, some coping skills. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I could relate better to, you know, the difficulties and, uh, you know, how to, how it is to work towards a comping deadline. Well, it's never too late, Robin. You know, uh, same on the prison. Well, we'll see. I, I did. I did try to do something on uh, some three D stuff uh, during the pandemic, during the okay. lockdown times. Yeah, did a did a, a table 
with a checkering and Amazing. became a laughing object. But um, hey, got to start somewhere. It looked good in, in my. It could go in Argos. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice idea, <laughs> kind of uh, assembly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish. Judging I wish. by your your career path so far, if you get good at it, you end up being a you know three D artist or two D artist before you know it. You know, so I think uh, never say never. Well, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. So what would you, we're into the final three questions now, uh, Robin, so thanks again. But what would you change about the industry from the, the three years, 10 months that you've been in it? Anything you change? I think well-being and work-life balance, as I said, can be uh, problematic in the effects. I think mm. um, uh, I don't like to use, you know, the word B Corp uh, too much, mm. but it kind of encapsulates so many things. And I think if more and more companies become a good people, then I think we have a much better chance and sorting out those issues that seems to be quite historic. And, yeah. and, and I think it's also, I think there's an opportunity for all of us to be carbon neutral as companies. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do have the climate emergency, you know, it's happening right now. And I think we most people that I talk to, we're, we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. But I think if, if more and more people jumped on the B Corp journey, I think it will it will help in so many different areas, yeah. and it will just make it easier to implement them. Because I think working together on areas, you know, it was just amazing. Even just talking to Tom, you know, you realize you know Tom's been in the industry for twenty years, and you know, just felt really inspired just talking mm-hmm. to him. And even you know, he shared some of the things that he's done and some of the problems within hiring and so on. And it's good to see. Sometimes it's good to just work with other yeah. like-minded people, and even if they're, you know, not, not technically competitors, but other companies. Yeah, yeah. You grow, you grow much faster. And the industry is well primed for that because it is such a community. You know, we mentioned we talked about access for effects before you we hit record, and we talked about you know that being a you know industry mobilising, coming together towards a shared goal, and, and this is no different in many ways. Definitely. So the industry advice question, the big one, uh, one thing we can do, and it could be similar to your last answer, but one, one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. What should industry be doing more of? Yeah. Uh, yes. Something, something that we are early stages on working on, but we are looking at different people analytics metrics about everything from gender and mm. Other dem- demographic, underrepresented demographics, and I think it starts in early stages. Starts at college, university levels. For me, this is quite important because, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, Sweden is great, but it's uh, it's a very segregated country, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's uh, growing up and knowing what opportunities are out there didn't exist in the same way as maybe it does now. And I'm very much about working with Bootstrap, who does mentoring and with inclusion mm-hmm. to open up the world of VFX, showing different artists, different roles, you know, how production works and um, getting that kind of information out there. Mm-hmm. You know, as, um, and, um, and I think that that's, that's where inclusion starts, where we you know, see, see numbers about how many women there are in the mm-hmm. industry, especially comp supervisors. There's hardly anyone in there. You know, how do we, what do we do? as an industry to get the right training and the right, right paths for more women in more senior leadership yeah. roles. I'm not, I'm not saying we've done a great job with that. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we just go along with the project and the business is hard to kind yeah. of lose track of those things, but uh, more focus on that. Uh, on the, on the, on the ground level, it's been more about, you know, we've 
done a few job posting with Creative Access mm -hmm. just to try to get more people outside of the industry into the industry. Yeah. Um, and some good success stories there. And yeah, but there's lots more to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely longer. Uh, looking forward to talking more to you and uh, you I know, know I should uh, access VFX. Oh yeah, well, there's definitely a part two offline. We can so. definitely talk about uh, getting Duke more involved with the work we're doing for sure. Right, we're going for the big finish, Robin. Are you ready? Sorry. Before we close the vault, not forever, but for, for this episode at least. And it's the question yeah, for, episode, for yeah. our other audience. So we've covered industry. Now it's the folks trying to get into industry. So the aspiring talent. And what is your golden nugget of advice for anyone listening to this episode trying to get into the industry? What's the big one that you would leave us with? I think uh, just get in, get in touch with vfx companies that you uh, think sounds good looks good and uh, try to talk to someone i think everyone's open to get more people in uh, it's a great opportunity to, to see if you know if you can shadow someone or see what they're doing our group is always open uh, open out for people that want to come and see what we are what it's like to work in different as different types of artist mm -hmm. skills and uh, it's a compo 3D. I think that there's a all broad, broad roles as well, and um, and it might be something that you get into and interested in, but it's but you might end up doing something else. Exactly, um, the theme of this yeah. episode, so, I think, isn't it? Yeah, you know, just uh, just go with the flow, see yeah. what, what presents itself. Yeah, I think uh, making that contact, yeah, is uh, helps. Make most contact. people get a reply. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Like you say, you've just got to take a punt, haven't you? Get in touch. There's no science to it. It's great advice. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much. Yeah. That was great. You made it well, through. Thank you for having me. So, yeah. There's 20 questions. So we're going to... I did, I did. So before we go, I'm just going to close the vault. So closed. And yeah, before we go, and I know you've got to, to run, Robin, but if there are any studio heads, MDs, CEOs, COOs, listen to this podcast and they're thinking, or are they thinking of becoming a B Corp or you've inspired them to become a B Corp, What's your message to them? How can they get that started? How can they begin that journey? What's step one? Well, the formal way is to sign up for the business impact assessment. Not, don't remember the uh, address website address now, but that's free. Mm -hmm. You can sign up. You can see the questions that you will be asked, and and you can it's it's free. You know, so you can you get a good idea of what the assessment is about you can take your own time but that would be mm -hmm. the best the other part would be get in touch with me Excellent. i'm happy to walk you through the first step and help you through the through the Brilliant. journey how can they get hold of you robin is it linkedin and, exclusively and, or no yeah i mean happy to share my email it's roch at dupevfx.com amazing so roch Brilliant. Yeah. We'll make sure that's all in the show notes. So I'm sure you'll be inundated. And yeah, feel free to share it with anyone. Someone, we yeah. will, don't worry. We have lots of people listening to this, hopefully. So uh, I always assume there's swathes yeah. of listeners. So we'll uh, we'll keep pushing it out. I hope so, yeah. Amazing. Robin, I know you've got a busy day ahead. So thank you so much for making the time. I should also wish you a uh, early, happy 40th birthday. I know you're... Yeah, you're thank big, you very the much. Big milestones <laughs> coming up, days away. So enjoy your 40th decade. Well, 50th decade officially isn't on the planet. Thank you very much, Simon. But yeah, enjoy. Thanks again, Robin. That's, yeah, that's true. And have a great day. Thank you, Simon. Well, that was episode 20 of the Access VFX podcast. I told you it was a great episode. Robin, what a nice man. 
and a fantastic example of taking opportunities and the inspiring journey of where life can take you if you have a growth mindset. Okay, here's the call to action. Are you a studio head and want to get certified as a B Corp? Want to learn more? Then head to bcorporation.net on the World Wide Web or as per Robin's kind offer, email him directly if you have any questions at rosh at dupevfx.com. That's rosh, R-O-C-H at dupevfx.com. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, please. Subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Robin, for being a brilliant guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to yet another inspiring member of the visual effects, animation and games community.